welcome to episode 15 of the Dead Idea of Ahala podcast. I'm Gary Butterfield. Sorry again about the skip week. Had a good time in Seaside, Oregon with my wife for our anniversary. Seaside is funny. It has um, what seems like an entirely taffy-based economy. Um, literally every second business does what a normal business would do, but also sells taffy. And as you're leaving town, there are just tons and tons of little you know, roadside attractions that proudly proclaim that they, they also sell taffy. Of course, I bought a bunch of taffy, and I've been sampling it. I brought some into work. It's been nice having taffy around. Taffy's just a kind of a good thing to have around. So speaking of anniversaries, romance, and everything, um, probably about a month and a half ago, about six weeks ago, was Valentine's Day. And I'm I'm fine with Valentine's Day. This isn't going to be one of those, you know, uh, Valentine's Day, uh, you know, girlfriends want you to take them out. <laughs> You know, I, I like Valentine's Day. I like going out to dinner with my wife. I like going on dates. You know, I am I am pro-love. I'm generally, I've been pretty lucky in love, I think. But um, a couple of years ago, Valentine's Day was pretty different. I used to uh, I used to work for Northern Illinois University. And uh, on Valentine's Day a couple of years ago, there was a big shooting. I don't know if, um, how much that ended up on the public consciousness. I don't know if people know about that. But it's kind of a kind of an interesting, interesting story. You know, a guy went into a class with a shotgun and some pistols, and killed a bunch of college students. And uh, you know, he wasn't you know it wasn't the same building I worked. I worked in the library, but it was a building kind of across this this little creek, and uh, pretty close. It was a building that I sometimes had occasion to be in. And uh, the reason why I wasn't, I, and I, I wasn't actually at work that day. Um, the reason being. Um, kind of weeks preceding, I I found that I had this uh, kind of lump in my mouth um, near one of my wisdom teeth, and uh, I'm I'm scared of doctors. I'm scared of dentists. I tend to put things off, you know, medical things. But I kept getting kind of bigger and angrier and redder, and uh, you know, I decided that it was probably you know time to time to go to the dentist. So I went in, made an appointment. Um, and uh, the appointment was for Valentine's Day. That was the only time he can get me in. And it's the kissingest day of the year. So that was kind of depressing, but whatever. I'll go in and get taken care of. And uh, at that point, I'd already decided to move out here um, to Portland with my wife. And uh, I was talking to one of the guys in HR about, um, you know, the, the transition. And during the conversation, this thing in my mouth, which, you know, I like all uh, good hypochondriacs. I tend to diagnose things myself on the internet. So I knew that this was something called perocoronitis, which is just, you know, pero, periodontal, it's gums, coronitis, corona, you know, it's just, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's not really a thing, but this perocoronitis, uh, burst while I was talking to this HR guy. And, uh, you know, it was pretty, it was a pretty funny scene because it, it was just, you know, the, the guys just says, you yeah, okay, well make sure that you know, you get us a, an address as soon as you have it, you know, because we're going to need to be able to give you your W-2s, your tax information. And I say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't have it right in front of me. I have it in an email. Uh, my wife emailed me the address of the new apartment. As soon as I get it, I'm going to... E oh. uh, 
excuse me. And and I go to the bathroom and I'll spare you some of the details of that. I I know this is kind of becoming like the discharge cast, uh, given the uh, the taint misbehaving episode that was on for for a while. Um, maybe ran a little bit long, but um, so I, I mopped mopped up with uh, you know those brown recycled paper towels that you have at colleges, and uh, you know is it, it was horrible. Anyway, so Valentine's Day rolls around. I go and get my my wisdom tooth taken out, which is a, a strange experience. And they didn't knock me out for it, but I was on, you know, my, it was still surreal. My face was all numb and, you know, I, I w- went home and I was talking on instant messenger to my assistant, um, at my old job. And, uh, he just says, you know, got to go shooting and, um, didn't say anything else. And, uh, you know, so I went and I checked the news and, you know, some guy was, was killing people. Um, it was pretty crazy. Uh, you know, everybody you know, and, and afterwards, you know, after everything was said and done, we had to attend this mandatory counseling session, like a group counseling session. Um, and, uh, there's some, I remember there's this like facilities worker guy who stood up and just said, you know, because this happened, I don't believe that there's decency in the world. I don't believe there's human decency. And this pretty much, you know, essentially just kind of saying that it destroyed his faith in humanity and just proclaiming this to a crowd. It's really strange. So I would, something I kind of took away from it. Um, you know, I was surprised to find that it affected me at all. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm generation Y or generation X or whatever, man. And I, you know, I maintain this kind of ironic detached distance from things. And I have a hard time, um, empathizing with people I don't know in general when there are kind of natural disasters or anything or, or in war, if there are people who I don't know, it's really hard for me to feel anything about that. I don't know what that means. I feel like the science is probably on my side on that one, um, that most people have a hard time abstracting human misery like that. When the the first days of the war, uh, one of my friends told me a story of, of his uncle who saw a headline that said, you know, 100 dead in Iraq war, deadliest day yet. Of course, referring to uh, American soldiers. And his response was, well, we haven't gotten any of them yet, you know, because there's this kind of like relativity to human life that I think is, you know, kind of gross, but everybody succumbs to it. You know, nine white college kids dying, you know, at the same time, countless brown people are dying in different places of the world. You know, it matters more if you don't know either of them. It's just kind of repugnant to me. But what I took away from it, you know, as opposed to feeling saddened for the individuals, you know, I felt you know, just kind of terrified at this idea of random violence. I mean, there's nothing you can do about random violence. And what leads me to believe that is I follow a trail of breadcrumb clues uh, that starts with the word random and ends with the word random. You know, somebody just decides they just want to start shooting in public and you're there, you get shot, and that's that's the end. Um, so that's really terrifying to me. And another way, and... You know, I've I've struggled to make this kind of idea, you know, make sense in like a lot of different different ways. But a weird way, it kind of makes sense to me. You know, I remember when the the Beltway sniper was a big deal. Um, he's his 15 minutes are passed, but uh, when he was still uh, Bell of the Ball, you know, everyone was just like, what would make somebody just randomly decide to just you know shoot people? And it's like, I would never do that. But 
you know, we're, we're given, we have to, it's, it's kind of a miracle that people are able to, to maintain any kind of sanity, um, in this world with this kind of overwhelming misery and, and depression in it. You know, you have to, you know, at the same, you maintain composure, like you go to work and have dinner with your family and play Pokemon and, you know, surf the internet and argue with people on message boards all amongst the, you know, while just terrible, terrible things are, are happening all the time, you know, at any given moment, like someone is being skinned alive or set on fire, you know, there's duck fur, there's all these things, you know, they're just, you know, there's just, just mind breakingly terrible things. Like there are people who spread rumors in Africa that the only way to cure AIDS is by having sex with a virgin. So there are villages, and this was true at least a couple of years ago, where there were like rape gangs that would go to, to villages looking for virgins to infect them with AIDS. So that because they thought they could be cured because they're fucking ignorant, you know, this is, and it's, it's overwhelming. Like if you spend any time thinking about it, it's overwhelming. And I think that what's interesting is that we can not think about it. The capacity of the human mind to know things is all well and good, but what's really amazing is the capacity of the human mind to not know things or to not know things that you actually know. So, so to me, the idea of someone snapping, I mean, to me, the miracle is that we are all, you know, not totally batshit crazy. And I don't mean to sound too depressive, you know, depressing. I mean, there are good things in the world, um, you know, but they're so, they're small and frequent. You know, I get to, you know, so Sobe energy drinks came out with a drink that tastes just like ecto cooler. So whenever I want to, I can remember like, you know, through weird sense memory connection, you know, being eight years old and drinking ecto cooler, I can do that whenever I want. So if I want to, I can drink a couple of those a day. And uh, of course that's going to lead to adult onset diabetes, but until then that's a small, happy thing, you know, and I've got my wife and my cats and my family and my friends, you know, I live in a first world country where I can dick around on and make this podcast that costs me money. I get nothing, you know, I, I have this kind of freedom to express myself and not, you know, I'm not even talking about like freedom of speech, freedom. I'm talking about economic freedom where I can do this thing that costs me money and get nothing in return. And those are all good things. And then the evil things are huge. Like it just, you know, so every day I can do this little thing and it's great. Um, and then, you know, in the face of these countless small kind of indulgences and kindnesses that are allowed to me, you know, something huge happens like the Armenian genocide. And, it, it, you know, it's just kind of a, it's a really hard thing to keep in your mind. Like I said, this affected me a lot of times things like this don't. Um, and as a, you know, as an artist, you know, I, I don't like saying that phrase with a straight face, but as, as a, you know, musician, everything, I, I don't, uh, don't take inspiration from things like that or I very rarely do. And, uh, and when I do, I don't like art that's direct. You know, I could have sat down and heard about this whole thing and written a song and it could have been, you know, brother, why'd you do it? You got bullets in your eyes, you know, or something like that. Um, but I, I hate music like that. That's direct. I feel like it's too easy and I don't like, you know, and then the next step up would be really obvious irony, you know, like killing me softly or something where it's like, oh, he's killing you, but he's doing it softly. Weird. You know, and I, I don't like that either. Um, so when I you know write music, I try to be more oblique about it, um, you know, and find phrasing and, and ideas that mean something to me 
um, you know, and are not particularly universal, which is what, you know, one of many reasons I likely have not been successful in music, but, uh, I did, I did have a reaction to the shooting and, and wrote a song about it with my old band, um, called the midnight snacks. Yeah. The, uh, that's kind of a long intro just for the, the song, but, um, my reaction to, to that is the song, uh, called stay sane and it goes like this. Last time on Dungeon Quest Board Strike. I made a goal. Ah, I see you've all made it. 
have a seat around this kitchen table. So is this some sort of game? Then only the most imaginative teams will persevere. Are you ready to play? I am the dungeon mister. Take these character cards. Okay. And that ignorance may cost you your life. Smithing Orkin, that sounds radical. Take a card and seal your destiny. Dungeon mister, I would like to go home. There is no home for you or your kind. Okay, can we just get this over with? What's a cobalt? I think Beetleborgs is on. Roll the die. We now join our adventure. Already in progress. Perhaps Mr. Havisham will allow me to leave work early and get back to my activities with the most imaginative of teens. Hey, Dan. Dan, man, I... <sighs> Jupiter's Thunder. It is Dungeon Mister. You will refer to me by my proper station. Face the wrath of 10,000 magic missiles. Dan. I can't remember, when I'm making hospitaliano sauce, do I use garlic or do I just use the grilled onion powder? <laughs> As a pestomancer, you think garlic is for shrimps? So just use the garlic for the Cilician scampi platter? Oh, you've got to be an assistant alchemist at this garden of olives. I will never fathom. Dan. It, Yes, yes, Mr. Havisham. Uh, um, uh, uh, my liege can address his subject however he wishes. Uh, uh, tell me, sir, have you contacted young Master Matthew about attending my group of the most imaginative of teens to, to meet after school to play the Dungeon Strike board quest game? Dan, can we have a talk? Meet me in my office in five. Yes, sir. Hmm. This forebodes potential rebuke. Quite a potent portent, if I do say so myself. Dan, I have a new riddle for you. Ah, yes. The mastermind of this garden of olives strikes again. Tell me what whimsical query you oppose to me in exchange for my smoking break? Well then, just go ahead and roll the die. Okay, dude. What color is the dress a mountain wears. Hmm. Yes, yes. Of course. The mountain is lady fair, representing her nourishing qualities, as well as her uh, more obvious she-bounties. I would say then that her dress be green, representing the roiling verdigree of her supple surface. Am I correct, Master Greens? You got it, dude. Hey, Bobby, Count Chocula gave me his smoke break again. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> A worthy test of my well-oiled mind. A gray matter mimic, lying in wait, trapping riddles as they saunter by. Yes. Ooh, I have lost track of the time. I must meet Mr. Havisham. Dan, shut the door. Your wish is my command. Dan, you've been here for a long time. Over twenty years of loyal service. This is my lair and repast. Have you ever thought of perusing another career? Shit. I don't know how much you get paid. I mean, when I was transferred here back in 03, you were making, what, 750 
7.5 sovereigns in each rotation of the wizard round the moat. Yes, sir. And now you make 8.25. That's just sad, Dan. I'd like you to consider a career change. But what of young squires who require my guidance? Young Master Greens doesn't know Polenta from a Polax. Where will I refill my coffers? I need to buy black turtlenecks and do of the mountains. Imaginative teens are thirsty. Well, think of all the money you could make as a nursing assistant. <laughs> as a surgeon, I'd think splints are for limps. Well, how about a job at the mechanic shop? My brother-in-law works there. I could put in a word. As a tire merchant, I'd think ads are for blimps. The zoo is hiring cleaners. As a chimera wrangler, I'd think fruit is for chimps. Barber college is always an option. As a stylist, I'd think hair is for crimps. I have a buddy who, well, I'm not proud of this, but he works down at the dripping orifice. He could get you in as a booth operator. As a sex trafficker, I think Kane's awful. Pimps. Damn it, Dan, I hate it when you do this. And as a booth operator, I'd hope to catch glimpse. Look, Dan, I can't force you to grow up. Consider this your annual evaluation. Raise denied. My son isn't going over to your house to play in your fruity fucking pretend game. Go clean the spaghetti traps. Yes, sir. Every time I am tested, I gain experience towards the next level. Soon, I will have all the reagents I need. To be continued. For the first episode of Dungeon Quest Board Strike, see episode 7. Dead Idea of a Hala podcast. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends about it. 
Join it on Facebook. Follow it on Twitter. Send me an email. Um, go to your local library. Read a book. You don't actually need to drink eight glasses of water a day. That's a myth. Just drink water when you're thirsty. Listen to the podcast when you want to. But tell people about it always if you like it. I really appreciate it. Go to www.deadideabahala.com. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart and the top of my heart.